0: I just think it's so important to know that even though it's hard, you're not failing. Even though your child's development and your parenting process doesn't look like how you thought it might, or how your neighbors looks, you're still doing an amazing job.
1: Welcome to the Daily Naked Parent Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children. Who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. On today's show, we will be discussing managing stress for both mom and child. You won't want to miss it so hello naked parent nation and welcome to today's episode of the naked parent podcast my name chad ratliff and i'm your host and before i introduce you to our guest today let me start by sharing our community's preamble naked parent Nation is a worldwide community of parents raising children with all kinds of needs we come together to share our naked truth support our fellow parents and inspire the inner growth that each of us needs to build the life and family of our dreams For the parents that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. As we come to understand our divine nature, we realize there's no need to feel sorry for ourselves, be angry, or feel lack. We come to understand that our feelings of limitation and separation are only in our minds. Through self-realization, we expand our consciousness so that the challenges that perplex us today Dissipate one by one until we're able to see and experience gratitude and beauty in everything just as it is. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment, one day at a time. Esther and Jerry Hicks call it the science of deliberation, and we call it the answer to all of our prayers. So on today's show, I'd like to introduce you to Mary Sparger, who works to help parents navigate obstacles, parenting questions, and behavioral concerns while serving the whole child and using non-toxic natural supports. Mary has 11 years of experience teaching in special education classrooms, a master's degree in intellectual disabilities, and an essential oil specialist certification. She's a divorced mom of two who has overcome severe anxiety struggles, found natural supports, and built a sustainable lifestyle caring for herself and others using a combination of non-toxic supports, traditional medicine, and movement. Both Mary's children are diagnosed with ADHD. Her son also has sensory processing disorder and anxiety. And Mary, we're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for being here.
0: Hi, yes, I'm so excited to be here.
1: And where are you calling in from?
0: I am in South Dakota.
1: How's the weather in South Dakota?
0: Balmy 70.
1: Balmy 70. A little
0: humid and it's, yeah, 70 degrees. No pool this week.
1: Is it still summertime in South Dakota?
0: Yeah, this is still summer.
1: And uh, you have two children?
0: Yes, I have two kids. My son is nine and he has ADHD, anxiety, and pretty... Serious sensory processing disorder. And then my daughter just struggles with ADHD. And I say just because there's only one label behind what we're talking about, but it's still pretty significant.
1: Yes. And how old is she? Seven. Okay. So they're pretty close in age.
0: Yes. Very close.
1: With your nine year old, when did something start looking different?
0: Yeah. So he was about 18 months old. I was pregnant with my second. And there was a ton of very obvious sensory aversions and I had already been a special education teacher for a couple of years. And now I have this child who doesn't like grass, who won't sit on that blanket, who won't eat certain foods, doesn't like the way the wind feels outside. And, you know, when it's your first child, you're not quite sure. Is that normal? Is this okay? Should I be concerned? and, it continued. It continued with like, he wouldn't eat anything. He had a diet of crackers and chicken nuggets. He dipped everything in ketchup. So if we needed him to eat something, ketchup was it. I have pictures of him as a very young child dipping Cheerios in ketchup because that was like a new food and ketchup was his stable, like familiar. So those things, those challenges continued. When he was almost three, I had finally said, okay, still something just isn't quite right. He doesn't like to be in a group of people. We would go to a birthday party and he would hide in the other room. And he just didn't experience things like a typical toddler, like a typical little kid. He would get really frustrated. He had big, big emotions. And now I have two kids at this point and I would just watch them and he just didn't interact in the same way. He wanted to interact with me and his sister, but he wasn't socially interacting the same. He became obsessed with the same things. Dinosaurs. I could do a presentation on dinosaurs. We have done dinosaurs so much in our house. Year and year and year after year, dinosaurs were the birthday party theme. Dinosaurs are what he wants for toys. He knows everything about dinosaurs. He will fact check any person on a dinosaur. That's the obsession. That, with poor sensory processing, really huge sensory aversions, poor social skills, all of these things all wrapped up, something was off. I should have believed deep inside of me sooner that I knew something just wasn't right. There was a family that would. oh, he's just going to, you just got to, you got to make him do it. You just got to make him eat. You just have to make him do those things. He'll do it. If you, if you, if that's all you give him on his plate, he'll eat it. No, he won't. He would starve. He would go days. If I would put out something that he wasn't going to eat, he wasn't going to eat it. Wow. And so I finally said, okay, we're doing autism eval, birth to three eval. We're doing all these things. He's of average intelligence. He's checking all of these boxes that are saying he's typical developing, but we have sensory, but we have poor social skills. So he didn't qualify for any early interventions. He didn't qualify for any of that. It was just this behavior meltdown behavior meltdown city. And it wasn't until we were privileged enough to send our kids to a private school. So he went to a private school and at five, I had said, we're doing a different eval. Something isn't right. He was having potty accidents at school. He was daytime potty trained, but he wouldn't, he couldn't speak. He was verbal. He had a voice, but he was so nervous to talk to anybody. He wouldn't tell them he had to go to the bathroom. Wow he would have a meltdown at lunch because he couldn't ask for ketchup. And ketchup is the food pyramid. That's what you eat for lunch. And he was unable to ask. There was all of this overwhelming anxiety and fear that lingered in him. So I just said, okay, we got to do a more um, comprehensive evaluation and figure out how do we support him?
1: Did your professional experience factor in or did your being a new mom hold more
0: I think I knew something wasn't, he was struggling in a way that wasn't typical. There wasn't anything wrong with him, but he was struggling in a way that wasn't typical. So the school system, the daycare system, like is not set up to support him. And the thing that carried the most weight was the grandparents saying, he's fine. You just need to toughen up. Hmm. And and it's, oh, well, if you had done that when you were a child, we would have just, that mentality really made me linger in making the decision that no I am the mom and I do know this he's struggling and we need a different type of support.
1: Or you went for an ASD evaluation and then you went for something different? Can you tell us about that?
0: So, well the doctors are you know they'll they'll send you to a pediatric developmental specialist. I contacted the state and got into the birth to 3 evaluation and requested autism eval. And that was when he was really young. That was a no. I requested it again at five through the state. So okay. then somebody from the state will come and set it up at his school. And again, that was a no. So I went to the school and we were at a private school. So I was able to um, I didn't have to follow some of the same rules that a public school has to follow. I was very well aware of, but I asked the private therapist. He served the school, but he had his own private practice and I said something is different I need your help and in his practice he had speech OT PT and they did a comprehensive eval to see how can we best support him in school at that point I didn't care what you called it I didn't care if it was autism or sensory processing or ADHD I just want him to feel better I want him to not have to crawl out of his skin when he's in a situation that's so uncomfortable I don't care what you call it. And because we were at a private school at kindergarten, then we were able to still serve him and set up plans without needing a specific IEP like you would in a public school. Okay. And so, I mean, I would still advocate that, that a parent still do that. It was a little bit more out of pocket, but then we found things that allowed him to kind of come into his own Hmm. that. And that really helped.
1: And your daughter's three at this point. Yes. Are there any signs happening there?
0: They are polar opposites. Okay. So she's three in the three-year-old preschool room down the hall, and she won't stop talking. She's overly social. She won't sit still. She's the center of attention. She wants to participate and lead the class every single. The exact opposite of what my son is going through, but also kind of concerning when once you give her all of that attention, it doesn't fill her cup. She doesn't go, okay, I got to be the leader today. I'm going to sit back down. She just go, 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 Like would not stop. She's still, she's seven. And if you make eye contact with her, she's going to talk to you and she's not going to stop talking. And that's ADHD and, and girls very different than ADHD in boys.
1: Right. Does being a professional help you handle this, for most people, atomic bomb?
0: Yeah, I think it did. Overall, when I look back, it definitely did. There were times that I think, isolated times that I was like, it just makes it so much harder because I know too much. I know too much and I can implement this plan for somebody else and then, but I have to live it. And if I'm this professional and I know all of these things, why are we still struggling? How come I'm failing? I must be a bad mom. It must be that I really don't know. I must be able to teach this, but I can't mom this. So it's my mom abilities. I'm a bad mom because I'm I'm doing all these things. But there was this moment that I realized that's not it. My kid is just struggling. He's really just struggling. And I have the tools, but it's so overwhelming when it's every single day, all day long, like summer's off. It was me 100% of the time with two busy kids, one that was just tantruming and throwing fits because he didn't know the schedule. He's intelligent. He's above average intelligence. And he's so angry, but can't communicate why he's so angry. And it's because we have to go to the grocery store today. Mm. And we didn't go to the grocery store yesterday. So that's not what we do. And we didn't go to the grocery store this same day last week. So that's not what we do. The routine isn't the same. The structure is not the same. I went to bed yesterday at 7.30 and you can't put me to bed at any other time today than 7.30 because that's what we do. The rigidity was huge. And anytime that changed, we had this explosive issue that as for any parent, professional who works in this field or not, it's so much, it's so stressful. It's so overwhelming.
1: Definitely. If this is too personal, please. Did divorce happen? during part of this process
0: it wasn't until later okay yeah so but it was still dad is was a police officer and worked all kinds of crazy hours and i was the primary caregiver and so it was really just me trying to figure out what's best to do and then in the summertime when other kids would go to like programs or camps or whatever how do i take this kid and put him in a camp Right. I can't put him in a camp. And even now at nine, I still go up and I'm like, what do you tell the camp about your kid so that he can be successful? And it's not that it's not that I'm a bad parent and it's not that he's naughty. He just has these differences that make some things really hard.
1: The divorce rate for families with special needs kids is extremely high. How much of a part did that play in your relationship?
0: definitely a big part through different stages. I can remember specific situations where there was very clear disagreement on our path to serve our son. And should this to me presents clearly as anxiety, clearly as sensory processing. These are the supports he needs. This is what I, my professional opinion and as a mom, and we wouldn't see eye to eye on that. And there would be huge, big issues that just, I mean, like, Manifest on top of all of the other issues. So eventually I just said, okay, I know what I'm doing and I have to trust my mom instinct and say, we're going to try it. We're going to try what I know is right.
1: That's great. Did you deal with depression after diagnosis? Did you deal with some of these things that, you know, I mean, I got the, I mean, I did the addiction, the depression, the, you know, all of it. Did you run into any obstacles?
0: Mine became more about anxiety. I mean, and I struggled with anxiety in various degrees my whole life, but there became this moment that I knew in a structured setting, if this child is in my classroom, I would set him up for success this way. And then we would gradually work on these other skills. But when you're a parent, your environment at home is a safe place, but it's not structured and rigid and grocery store trips happen and Somebody spills a glass of milk and it's only you and you have to clean it up and now their clothes are wet and everybody's going crazy and you can't structure things the same way you can with support staff and a classroom and those things. And so I started to really worry. What if I overhelp him? What if I'm overstructured? What if he doesn't learn how to handle life as it comes to him? Because he's one day he's going to have to figure out how to handle it if he goes to the grocery store and his favorite type of chicken nuggets aren't there. How much help am I giving? What is too much? And this was like a, a spiral that, that was so tricky. And then I realized there isn't any wrong way to love your kid. You can't mess it up. If you're loving them and you're doing your best, you're doing the right thing. And that's just right. Like, it doesn't matter if I overhelp him and allow him to change out of his wet clothes. We're in a classroom setting. If we're working on sensory and they spill water on their clothes, we might make them sit in their clothes, make them sit in their clothes for one second longer than they desire or support them to, okay, it's really uncomfortable, but I want you to change out of your own clothes, even though I know I can get you out of it faster because I don't want you to be, I don't want you to not like it. And I know how icky it feels to you. I want you to change out of your own clothes. And those things are planned and, and predictable and, and done in a strategic way where at home, you're not messing it up. If you help your child get out of their wet clothes because they hate wet clothes today, that's fine. If tomorrow you decide, okay, I'm going to make him do it himself. That's fine. You're not messing it up.
1: Were you always that emotionally intelligent about that topic? Or is this something that did you have an aha moment? Or is this something that develops
0: over time? This is something that I think through my own childhood, growing up in the home I grew up in and really caring about people with differences has come naturally to me through study And just watching an observation and and this is where my heart is and so it does come naturally to me but i've had to work at understanding some of it if that answers that question
1: it does for me i had to find a faith to get there because for me it it was like well god either is or isn't and if there is a higher power or god or what you know people are allowed to believe what they want on this show then it's not non-existent over here in my situation where we're struggling. Yeah. And that
0: helped me. I would agree that faith played a role in in part of like this transformative moment in I'm not messing up my kid. I'm not hurting them in doing these things. I'm not failing as a mom, even though I have this really great professional background and understanding, I'm doing what's right. And I've been given the skills to know what to do in that moment, even if it feels wrong sometimes.
1: Yeah. How different is it to be a professional and to be a mom?
0: (laughs) People have a very hard time separating the two. I could walk into your home and support your child and come up with a great plan. And I could come every single day or 40 hours a week and serve you. And it would be easy, easy, right? Because the emotional attachment isn't there yes i care about the people i serve my heart is in it but it's not my baby so that ability to reflect back and say i'm not failing as a mom i'm doing what i feel is right and it takes time and just like being objective is so extremely difficult that took time so there were lots of times especially our hardest years were like five six seven When he was like, those years for him were our hardest years, our biggest explosive years. When you have ADHD, emotional regulation can be really tricky. I mean, there's a lot of things that ADHD, anxiety, sensory processing, all of that in one little body, that's hard. And those years were our hardest. And I would spend countless hours worried that I'm not doing the right things. The plan that I've come up with is not right because I was trying to serve him as a child in my classroom but there's a huge difference between a child feeling comfortable around a service provider and wanting to be comfortable around their mom. And when you explode and have a sensory meltdown and you just need a big squeeze, it's okay. If that doesn't follow the plan, that's okay, if somebody, some therapist told you sometime that you're supposed to do whatever, it's okay to just love your kid exactly how they are and do what they need in the moment. And it took me multiple occasions, multiple meltdowns over a course of many years to realize I'm not doing anything wrong. He is perfect. I'm loving him. And we're making progress so that he can feel comfortable in his own skin.
1: Awesome. It's baffling to me because of living a life as a father of children with special needs to understand how somebody could possibly be a professional in special education. I mean, it's just baffling to me because, I mean, I just consider everybody who works with my children angels from like another planet because how I can hardly survive this, let alone get up and go to work.
0: But like managing the stress as a parent and the weight that, that having a child with special needs has on a parent is way different than the stress that it has on a service provider or a teacher or an educator because they're your child, right? And you're the one that has to deal with them and calm the meltdown. And then also put dinner on the table and worry about their impact on their siblings. And are you getting everybody, are you serving everybody? Is it unfair to my daughter to have to understand he's having a hard time right now? We can't leave the house. I know I promised you, we were going to go to this place, but we can't go yet. And that, that worry. And then all of these other things. And so then it just becomes about like, how do you serve yourself? How do you take care of the stress That is parenting, whether it's special needs parenting or parenting in general, how do you take care of the stress of that? So that way you can be present and fully ready to support your children and love them as they are. And then how can you provide those supports for your kids and model that? I mean, it's good for them to see us have hard times, but it's also good for them to see us have the appropriate response we're trying to achieve when the glass of water tips over. Like, that's okay. Accidents happen. Our clothes get wet. We just change. Right. You know, that's hard. And, and like, I have found relief in using essential oils and relaxation techniques and finding little bits of time for myself. And that's messy. That's hard. And I mean, like, that's not lost on me, especially when my kids were younger and it was just me all day long, days on end with these two little kids that. Okay, everybody says, we'll get them out of the house. Okay, we're going to go out of the house. We're going to go out of the house. It's going to be loud and overwhelming. Oh my gosh, we're going to have to use a public bathroom. We can't use a public bathroom because the toilet sensor is going to go off. And then the, okay, all of those things, all of those typical strategies that people get, they're useless (laughs) unless you really get how serious it is. And so it became about what's the easiest way for me to get back from all of this excited overwhelm Get back to ground level so that I could be there and be present. And when I found essential oils and started using those to treat myself, to treat my anxiety and my overwhelm, I became a more present mom. And then I realized these oils actually can serve my kids in the same way. That sensory overwhelm I mean, like I've spent years trying to teach my child, my son, not to jump on me when he's looking for deep pressure input, right? He just jumps right on me. He's nine. He runs up and he just like lands on me. And then he'll say, can I have a big hug? Because for years (laughs) we've been trying to teach him that when he feels that internal, he just has to ask for a big squeeze and we will squeeze him. And then he gets that input. Well, so it works sometimes. We're almost there because our brain fires so fast. Now we're landing on people that didn't know we were coming and, (laughs) and it's messy, but I use these same tools that I'm using for myself successfully and sustainably and teaching those skills to my kids to know with time, with support, with coaching, just even just like genuine love. To know it's okay that you're really mad that your bread ripped that's okay instead of trying to like it doesn't matter it's just bread eat it no it is okay that is frustrating okay i'm mad that you just won't eat your bread but it is okay get myself back to where i need to be and then i can present be present and parent and then also model that and teach my child that it's not perfect but Over time, slowly over time, we make progress. And when you look back, like, holy crap, today we went to the grocery store without putting it on our schedule. We got groceries. We didn't even look at toys. And nobody cried. I didn't even cry. Like, (laughs) that's huge, right?
1: Yes. (laughs) miracle. Yeah. Wow. I I mean, I can tell that you are a phenomenal teacher and educator. I mean, I you just you have whatever you're supposed to have to have that. I can I can sense that about you. How did essential oils become something that you wanted to explore to see if it would help manage your anxiety?
0: I had been trying everything. I had gone to therapy. Life, I mean, whose life hasn't been hard through COVID? Right? Life had just been hard. And I had said, okay, I've tried therapy. I've tried meditation. I work out regularly. I don't work out to look any specific way. I do it because my body needs it and my brain needs it. And that's helping. Therapy's helping. I take a prescription medication that's helping, but I'm still having this debilitating anxiety where I can't go do these big things. And so doctors are like, you, here's how we need to do it. And they start giving you like prescriptions for PRNs and you take this PRN. Well, now you can't drive or it makes you so tired. You can't parent, you can't do it. And a friend said, I have this. Would you try it? Take this Frankincense and use it and let me know if it doesn't work. We'll try something else. I had tried everything else. And I was like, okay, whatever. I can't, what am I going to lose? And it worked. And I was able to not have a panic attack walking into my school to go pick up my kids and, you know, like hear the report of how the day had gone and it worked. So the conversation continued and she says, well, have you tried these things? Essential oils can do all of this. And so I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I researched And I found all the science and all of the great things. And why is this medication working? And why is this one not? And then I started, my kids were getting to that age where the teachers are like, well, if they had ADHD medication, then they would do better at school. And and internally, I'm torn because they are these little tiny developing bodies and they're trying to make sense of the world. And now I'm going to start pushing stuff into their bodies and they haven't even figured out their body yet. So... I tried a little bit of, um, medication and I tried a little bit of essential oils with them. And when I put my daughter on ADHD medication, I had never seen her act in such a terrible way. She Mm -hmm. was tantruming. It didn't feel right to her. She was like intentionally hurting herself. Mm -hmm. It was like the hardest thing as a parent. And I knew that's not the answer. Mm -hmm. That's not the answer. She feels worse taking what the doctors are saying are correct. And there, I'm not, I take medication. It wasn't obviously what was going to work for this child. We needed something else. I needed extra support. So I went to my kids with these and I researched and I talked to friends and we figured out this combination of things helps her. She doesn't need constant medication support for who she is and the chemistry in her body. That medication didn't work but because she's able to say you know I'm really feeling grumpy right now she's 7 going on 17 and she's able to tell you she's feeling a little sassy <laughs> and and it's not just sass we're trying to control it's it's the other things that come with it yeah and the same for my son i have noticed so much in difference in the kid my own two children but then the kids that i'm serving in these families that i'm supporting one of the most underutilized supplements for children with sensory processing, ADHD, dare I say autism, because I don't want to ever change your kid. I want them to be exactly who they are. But we've all been in that situation where they could crawl out of their skin being in that situation. They require headphones. They're stimming so hard. They're so uncomfortable. You can't take them with you to enjoy the circus. You can't take them with you to enjoy the water park. And I have resorted to using essential oils, but specifically there's a few essential oils that I would say interact with your nervous system differently. And they bring your nervous system and all of that sensory overload back down to where your child or yourself can actually enjoy the task, taking your kid to the water park. When you think about all the sensory that's there, that's too much for some of us, the water, the noise, the splashing, the bright lights, the heat, okay? My child in a 90 degree, I mean, South Dakota takes us, there's a few days out of the year, we get 90 degrees. (laughs) He would sit under a towel, avoid the water and sweat underneath this towel to avoid the bright lights at a water park. Now I'm supplementing with essential oils and we can do the water park. Wow. It's not perfect, right? We still have like, oh my gosh, somebody splashed me in the face. But we can tolerate those other things that are just all too much.
1: How long, like, it sounded like you took some essential oils and almost had an immediate impact for yourself.
0: Yes. yes. That how- That's exactly how it worked. Like, when we think about pharmaceuticals, we have to take them four days on end to build up in our body to get a good reaction. I was able to take frankincense that day and within three minutes go from hyperventilating to holy crap that worked. I can breathe. I still have a little bit of the anxiety jitters. Wait a minute. What just happened because of how quickly it interacts with our bodies and the wonderful ways that it, it can go through our circulatory system and get into our bloodstream and that same for kids. And with that, we might have to use it more frequently. I spend the summers at at the pool. As a teacher, I don't have a conventional job where I work in the summertime. And the pool has been a really hard place for my son. And on my Instagram, I have shared countless times that essential oils have saved us from having to have that, you know, that tantrum where you're not sure if you should leave your full grocery cart and just carry your child out of the store, but now your child is 9. So carrying them out of the store is awkward. that type of tantrum where we're sitting at the pool, we're overwhelmed, we're overstimulated, it's too loud, all of the things. And we've only been there for 25 minutes. Do I have to drag sister out of here too? She's having a great time. I have this tool and I keep it in my purse and it's essential oils and I put it on his feet. And you know he has sensory aversions so he doesn't like the way it smells. So we put it on his feet. Sometimes he'll take a good whiff of it and very quickly, his body adjusts to what I just helped him. And he's able to be like, oh, mom, can I just have a snack? Really what was happening is everything was really loud. And all I wanted to do was ask for a snack, but everything was so loud. All my senses were off and I couldn't do that. So then I just got angry and I started hitting my head on the lawn chair.
1: Wow. So it, cool.
0: It isn't magic, but it's magical to watch.
1: Wow. And how long have you been becoming an expert with essential oils?
0: I would say like six months of an expert. When something works like this and it transforms you and your children, you go all in. It has been such an amazing tool. And the people that I have met through this and I've watched other families, some family, I only have two kids, but other families that have more children and some have multiple children on the spectrum or multiple children with disabilities and they're drowning. I'm offering them this and it's sustainable. You don't have to keep it. It works and it works quickly and it gives everybody a sense of relief. And it isn't just this medication that we just give them. And then there's no skills taught. There's this opportunity for them to learn. Okay. I'm feeling this way. I can reach for this. I can handle this. And it's amazing to watch. And be so, a
1: part of so you were in education for 11 years and you were helping families on the side yes. manage. And from what I understand, you were helping so many families that you have sort of transitioned a bit. Can you yeah, tell us
0: my, my heart told me that though public education can be a great resource for a lot of families, there was this spot that was missing. Kids were coming to school. Non-verbal, non-speaking children. And parents are depending on me to tell them how their day went. But then they don't know what to do with their child when they get home. We would sit together at these meetings and I would say, they're doing great. And they'd be like, yeah, but he still isn't writing. (laughs) He doesn't know how to, he's only just this, I mean, like heartbreaking to not understand how to reach your child. Almost not know how to love on them. When I try to touch him, he cringes. She doesn't say my name. She won't say mom. And there was this hole. And I was spending so much of my time supporting these families while teaching their children. There was this moment that I was like, wait a minute. I think I'm meant to be doing something bigger. I will always love teaching these children. And I encourage people to bring their child when they meet with me. Because I mean, like, what a great way to fill my cup personally, but also to then be able to fully support them And then explain, there's nothing wrong with your kid. There's nothing wrong with them. It's okay, they don't write yet. It's okay, yes, it hurts to not hear mama. I get that. And I can't fix it. There is no fixing needed. This is who they are. And these are ways we can reach them. They wanna sing, five little monkeys jumping on the bed. That is how you love them. And so then I left the classroom to do this, to help parents know they're doing a great job. Their children are perfect. Yep. It's stressful. It is sometimes nobody wants to do it. And then when you sit back and you look at all that you've done as a parent and the empowerment that you've given your own children, whether they are of the ability to understand and articulate, mom, I think I need my roller. I think I need my essential oil or not. When you're able to have that, when you take away all the stress and you understand nobody's doing anything wrong. God made your kid. Perfect. Love them like that. That's okay.
1: That's awesome. If I'm struggling, feeling like I'm not enough as a dad, I'm not connecting with my son the way I want to be connecting. How do I know that I can reach out to somebody like you in your in this new role that you've moved into? When do we reach out to you?
0: The first time you think you're not enough, you call me and we talk and maybe that first conversation... That one's free. It's on the house. And you realize, okay, I don't really need her services. I just needed her to tell me I'm doing the right thing. And maybe you say in that conversation, wow, okay, I need another dose of that. And I need the tools. I need, I want a little bit of a schedule for my child, for him to have tools and resources. And I need the schedule and I don't know how to do that. And the school doesn't send it home. And so then we come up with that plan together because if you don't think you're doing enough And you just need someone to kick you in the pants and say, you're doing great. I'll do that for free. Uh But that's really it. When you feel like you don't know what to do next, you're like, I tried that. And it just, I just don't feel like I'm connecting with them. But also my other piece of free advice to connect with your kid, do something they love. I wanted to be able to go to sports. I wanted to be able to take my son to go play sports. I tried that and it about killed all of us. Yeah. So I got invested in learning about dinosaurs and playing weird dinosaur games and cutting up and making weird dinosaur food. And now I have this science expert who does all kinds of weird stuff and he'll find his people and that's okay. And we built that connection. And that was something that he was able to turn around and tell about at school, the child that didn't speak at school. Took a dinosaur, a dinosaur egg. It's not a dinosaur egg at all, but it was a dinosaur egg. And he took it to school and was able to talk about it. So meet your kid where they are and love them as they are.
1: How do people find you?
0: I have an Instagram. I am non-toxic nurture on Instagram. Some of my other resources are still launching, but if you go to my Instagram, there's a post you can comment on. I am giving away free sessions. I'm a Naked Parent podcast listener where we can sit and do this, just me and you. For those of you that aren't living in wonderful South Dakota, I have resources available. If you find me on there, it'll give you links to everything you need.
1: Awesome. And will you send me that link so we can put it in the show notes when this is done?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: So people can reach you. And how much does essential oils play into your process? your
0: um, Essential oils, they can play as big or little, a uh, part- that the parent desires. When you go fully in and you believe in this and you're using this tool that really works, essential oils can be 50% of what we're doing and the coaching and the love and that that nurture, which would be part of my non-toxic nurture. You're using all of these non-toxic tools to support your child and then you're loving them and you're coaching them and you're coaching yourself. It would be like a 50-50 split.
1: I love it. It's very cool. It's very exciting. What's something you're excited about as it relates to these upcoming days for your kids? Like what are you guys into that's that you're excited about?
0: We're an unconventional family in the fact of how we play and what we play with. And we've spent the summer outside experimenting with what happens when you put chalk in water or mix baking soda with vinegar. And and we have some big science experiments planned out. There's things in the freezer getting ready. The natural process that I watch my son, skills that I don't have, watching him come up with, wait a minute, if you put a magnet in an ice cube, how magnetic is it still? So that is what's coming up. That's what we're working on before school gets started again. And yeah, I mean, the, the gifts that they have in their brains, because they're neurodivergent, because they have ADHD, because of all of these other things I don't have. And That's so awesome. I love to watch that work.
1: I'm really enjoying this conversation. I could, I'd could, i love to have one down the road to get an update, but before I let you go, just to get more of your thoughts and opinions, we do kind of a speed round where you give kind of one word to one sentence answers. Are you up yes. for it? Yes, yeah. All right, what's the best advice you have received?
0: You're not failing.
1: What online course topic would you sign up for today if it was available?
0: Uh, How to get rid of parenting shame.
1: Love it. Do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents?
0: Essential oils.
1: Definitely. What's the next thing on your list that you want to add for your individual well-being?
0: I'm going to be able to go to a social gathering and get my kids a babysitter without feeling bad.
1: That's what I'm doing. Nice. What's one thing you think would improve your life if you did it or had it?
0: Child care for the summer.
1: Do you have a favorite product you use for yourself or your child or family that you just love and couldn't live without?
0: Essential oils, Adaptive and Serenity. They're okay. my go-to.
1: And I have one thing on my heart that I a little bit scared to ask because ketchup is the top of the food chain for my son, Rocco. You haven't had to get rid of that through this new health and essential oil, non-toxic nope. way of living, right? No. Fantastic. Loved
0: it. He needs it. It's a lifeline. You keep it.
1: Yeah. I can get vegetables in with ketchup and just.
0: (laughs) That's right.
1: I've really enjoyed this conversation. Is there anything kind of in closing from what we talked about or just what's on your heart that you would share with the parents in Naked Parent Nation?
0: I just think it's so important to know that even though it's hard, you're not failing, even though your child's development and your parenting process doesn't look like how you thought it might or how your neighbors looks, you're still doing an amazing job.
1: That's awesome. And your Instagram again?
0: Non-toxic nurture.
1: And we'll put that in the show notes, Naked Parent Nation. Mary, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I hope we can stay connected and touch base down the road and hear how your family and life is going in South Dakota.
0: Awesome, thank you so much.
1: All right, have a wonderful day.